Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, as a pastor, what I thought we'd do as a family is go through Colossians. Now, the challenge of that is doing four chapters in one sermon. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to start with Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, and then I'm going to go through, through chapter 2 real quick, give us a few points in that. You know, when you read Scripture, one of the things you need to do is to recognize why Scripture was written. Why, why is this here? Who is it written to? Uh, what was going on at the time, you know, why did Paul write this to the church? And when you realize that he wrote it to the church of Colossae or Colossae or however you want to say it, uh, you got to recognize the fact that he said, you know, pass this thing on. Pass it to the next church. Well, it's just made it to east side, right? And we're to read What's going on? And he wrote this particular letter to the church at Colossae because there was a watering down of the gospel. There were, there were voices and ideas, ideologies and philosophies coming into the church that watered down the true gospel because they wanted to include everybody they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And it got to the point where they were saying, and there were voices that were saying there's more than one way to God. That sounds pretty modern, doesn't it? It sounds like he's writing to us, and he is. But Paul begins to address that and he addresses it from a place of incredibly positive uh, wording. He's saying, man, I've heard your testimony. I've heard the love you have for people. This is what Stephen read. The love you have for God, the love you have for people, and the forgiveness you walk in. I've heard of these three great things since you came to know Jesus. And this true gospel message is going all over the place and it's bringing the same kinds of results that I'm hearing from you. I remember when I first got saved. I was 28 years old. I was reminded of that this week. I had an opportunity to speak at Karis Bible College and I, I kind of went over my testimony a little bit and just talked about how how your testimony really is your best way to bring people to Christ. But anyway, so as a share in that, I remember this overwhelming feeling of how much love I had for people after I got saved compared to before I got saved. Now, it had to grow, <laughs> mind you. But I was mean. I was pretty mean. 
there was, a, there was a nice side of me. It was very small, but there was there, I'm pretty sure. But, but my job, my job was to clean out the riffraff from a sales force and build it up. And that's what I did. I went from place to place to place and got rid of those that didn't produce and hired people that would. And sometimes I think about those days and I, and I just go, wow. I can't believe that that's the same person. You know, it's not. It's not the same dude. And so I got bored again and I got this love for people that was amazing. And then I guess what hit me the strongest was my ability to forgive. You know, I, I, had this, I had this overwhelming sensation of how much God loved me and forgave me. And then my tolerance for people just got humongous. And I understood that if he forgave me before I deserved it, then I really needed to learn how to forgive other people before they deserved it. And that, and that was placed in me. I didn't work my way into that. I, I, I grew in that, but immediately that was overwhelming in me. Why? Because I got saved. You see, there is a false gospel out there that will tell you all kinds of things in all kinds of ways to come to Christ. But Paul testified that he knew that they had come to Jesus and made him Lord and Savior, that they had put their trust in him, made a public profession of faith in him with baptism because they loved people, their love for people, and their ability to forgive. There was evidence of a transformed life. The false gospel is all you have to do is acknowledge God and acknowledge that Jesus lived and died and you'll be saved. That's a false gospel because it's partially true. You have to trust in his way. You have to commit your life to him. You have to believe that his way is right and you have to acknowledge that you're going to follow him. And when that happens, God lives in you and you can't be the same. That's who Paul's writing to. He's writing to a bunch of believers who have come to that place that they believe, and they're changed. And the things that are going to be revealed in Colossians are some of the most powerful messages that you could have as a person of faith. Jesus in chapter 1 says, you were transferred. You were transformed. You were moved from this lifestyle in darkness, transferred into the kingdom of light. You had been, your eyes had been open, your ears are open. You are now in kingdom, and Jesus Christ transferred you there. He made this 
great, great transformation in your life. He made this swap, this switch for you. And he says this. All this I'm talking about in chapter one, this transfer, this includes you who were once far away from God. Now I'm reading this from the New Living Translation, and I like it. You were his enemies, separated from Jesus by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ, God the Father has reconciled you to him through the death of Christ in Jesus' physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And now you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Say, say that with me. Without a single fault. Say it again. Without a single fault. I don't believe you. Say it again. Without a single fault. Jesus died for you. Now you can come into the presence of Almighty God because you've been transferred from darkness to light. You can move into that place and he looks at you and sees not one single fault. He died for you. And he doesn't see your sin. But then there's a but. Wherever there's a but, <laughs> there's usually a preacher. No, no, no. <laughs> that was funny right there. <laughs> but, circle it in your Bibles if you got it, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news, the gospel. The gospel has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to, to proclaim it. You've got to, you've got to stay there. In other words, it's not a one-time deal if you're going to live in kingdom. If you're going to live in kingdom, you can't have some Sunday go to some evangelistic deal, some concert somewhere, some church service, make a commitment to Christ with your kid and expect to live in kingdom. What you've got to do is you've got to stand firmly in what you believed, and that is that what Jesus did, what his way, his truth, his promises are all yours. You live in them, and you live this transformed life. You experience this forgiveness that you can't believe that you're able to do this love for people that's blowing your own mind because it's really not your nature at all because it's the nature of God. And God has put his nature on you in that moment and you have the ability to, to walk in that. But if you don't stand in that firmly, it will disappear. It'll go away. And then you'll find yourself with the same attitudes you had before you came to Christ. 
He will, won't you? And so he says this in verse 27. He says, there's a secret to the gospel, and that secret is this. Christ Jesus lives in you. Jesus lives in you, and that gives you the assurance of sharing in the nature and the character of God. I'm about to blow y'all away right now. You have the ability to repli replicate the nature of Christ. That's why he died. He died so that you could look like him. How? Supernaturally. He's about to deal with all that stuff. He's about to deal with the religion right here. But what you need to know is you used to think a certain way. You used to respond a certain way. And you even knew maybe when you were responding that way that it wasn't really nice. It probably wasn't really good, but it was who you are and people just had to live with it. He transferred you from that to the kingdom of light so that you could emulate kingdom light. So that you could show people the glory of God. And that's available to you. Not only is it available to you, it's God's expectation for you. It's his plan. What's the will of God for your life? Say it with me. What's the will of God for my life? To replicate to replicate, say that four times real quick, to replicate, say it, to replicate the kingdom and the glory of Jesus. Amen? Isn't that good? Watch. So it goes to chapter two. But powerful book in the Bible, as far as learning how to, I wish I'd have known this at 28. I wish I'd have known this at 35. I wish I'd know it like now at 45. <laughs> and we're stopping right there. Paul says this, I want you to know how much I, I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. And for many other believers who I've never met or they had never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and, and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious, mysterious plan, which is Christ lives in you. <laughs> which is Christ himself, if he in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Important verse. If you've got it in your Bible, underline it. In him lie all hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, there is no way to have wisdom and knowledge separate from Jesus. It's the only way to be full of wisdom and knowledge. And he says, I'm, I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, 
And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue, say that with me, continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. You've got to build your life on Jesus. All wisdom and knowledge is cannot come other than Jesus Christ. There's no philosophy. There's no education. There's nothing that can give you the wisdom that God's all science, all mathematics, all surgeries. There's not a surgery we performed that we invented. We discovered how to do the surgery. All the mathematics, all the science, it's already there. We just go do it. We discover it. We see how it works. We see how we can correct it sometimes, and we respond to that. But Jesus is the wisdom and knowledge. Do you know the guy who created the printing press got a vision of how to do the printing press in his sleep and then produced the printing press with the idea that he would print Bibles? And he printed Bibles from that spot. God dropped that in his heart so that all wisdom and knowledge come through Jesus and there's nothing that we can do outside of Jesus that's going to bring what you're able to get with Jesus. There's no philosophy of man. There's no way of thinking of man. There's no other religion. There's no other marrying of religions. There's no watering down the way. There's no, well, first, number one, step number one, you need to do X. Step number two, Y. Step number three, Z. There's no X, Y, Z. It's only Jesus. You hear me? It's only Jesus. There's only one way, and that's Jesus. Don't let anything else fool you. He's it. If he's your source of all wisdom and knowledge, you better be in good standing with Jesus. You better be his best buddy. You better be hanging out. Because there's no pattern of behavior outside of relationship with Jesus that will give you what you need. The wisdom and knowledge you need only comes from him. So let's keep on. It gets better. So you must continue to follow him. Your roots need to go down and your lives need to be built on Jesus. Then your faith, your dependency, your trust in him will continue to grow. And you will grow in truth and it will line up with what we taught you and it will overflow in you and you'll be so thankful that the joy of the Lord will overwhelm you and you will just begin to dance and shout and do crazy things in church. <laughs> Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. Anything that's saying anything other than it's just Jesus is a lie.
Watch this. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. Who is the head over every ruler and authority. That's anything that would say anything other than it's all Jesus. Jesus is the head of it. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. I love this word. I'm glad he didn't throw it out. It's such a weird word. But circumcision, everybody knows what circumcision is, I'm pretty sure, in this crowd. Circumcision was actually the weirdest thing to start with. It was the baptism of the Old Testament. Circumcision really identified you as a son or daughter of God. Right? Now, in the New Testament, baptism is your public profession of faith of Jesus. It is a shadow. Circumcision was a shadow. Well, there's another thing that God says you can circumcise, and that's your heart. So we know that circumcision is the removal of the foreskin of a male. The circumcision of the heart is referencing the hard shell of your heart. He's going to circumcise. He's going to cut that hard shell off, and he's going to get and make your heart pliable. Here, the, the reference is, is to who you are in Christ. Now watch what he says. He said, because Christ died, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not physical. It wasn't a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away of your sinful nature. Listen, cutting away your sinful nature. You see, we always blame our actions on our sinful nature. And Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross circumcised you from your sinful nature. It was something that you, that, that, that you didn't need and you didn't want. And he cut that off of you, and it's dead and gone, and no longer an excuse for you to keep living in darkness. This dark world right here, he circumcised you from that, cut that off of you, transferred you into the light of his kingdom. You following me with that? No longer to be tied to this anymore. The only way you can get it is to pick up dead old skin and try to put it back on. Yes? Is that clear enough? So it's old clothes that don't fit. It's, it's the sin nature. It's darkness. It's attitudes. It's an absence of forgiveness. It's an absence of love. It's the inability to perceive and to see God as he is. All that stuff has been cut away. And now you're over here in life and life more abundant. You have the ability to not only hear and see God, because you can enter into the Holy of Holies, you're able to replicate him because he lives in you. 
That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Jesus is trying to say, listen, any other gospel is a false gospel. Any other gospel that says that you can keep living the way you've always lived and be saved is a false gospel. Jesus cut that away. You've been transformed. You love people. You forgive people. Now listen, keep walking in it. Stand firm in it. Grow deep in it. How do you do that? Well, in this day, there was a list. Well, first off, you got to do this. Second off, you got to do this. Third, you need to do this. There's this list of things that we want as human beings that will teach us how to follow God. Well, let me just tell you what it's not, and you're going to see it here in just a minute. It's not going to church. It's not small groups. It's not listening to Christian radio. Somebody said, praise the Lord, me too. <laughs> or worship, or really good worship music. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ in you, your hope of glory, your hope of being a right reflection of the most high God. <laughs> this, is, this is too much, isn't it? This is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a reflection of who he is because he lives in you. And so that the world can see, Michael, see what? See a person who's been transformed by the nature and the character of God. Not a person who spews venom, anger, and hate and brings division and disunity and gossip and is financially bound in everything hellish that keeps them from representing Jesus well. All in the name of God. And Paul says, that's not the gospel. The gospel is freedom. The gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've Cut that sinful nature off of you. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sin and because of your sinful nature. Yes, it wasn't cut away yet. Your sinful nature was not yet cut away. When was it cut away? When Jesus died and you received and believed in Christ's mighty power, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed every spiritual power that is against the ways and knowledge of God. All authorities and everything that names itself against the knowledge of God. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you do. For what you eat or for what you drink. 
I just messed some people up right there. Because it's not about what you eat or what you drink. Well, pastor, you know that that's not good for you. You know, you just don't understand what alcohol does to a family. I do. I just know that telling somebody they can't drink ain't the way to freedom. There's only one way. It's not a list of things. It's not what you eat. It's not what you drink. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're chasing. It's what you believe about yourself. It's what you believe about him. It's who you're representing and how you're representing him. That is not going to deliver you. That has no power to bring you freedom. The only thing, the only gospel that brings you freedom is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can set you free. And when he sets you free, you're free indeed. You don't have to follow a list of things to do or not to do. What you do is you follow him. You're transformed into his likeness. You do what he does. You watch him work and you respond because you love him and you believe that the power of God is the way of God. That's the gospel. Paul said, don't get mixed up. Don't listen to all this stuff. Watch. So don't let anybody condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating on certain holidays, about going to church, or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. You know, church can't do anything. Now, I, know, I, I love the fact that there are a lot of people who love Esau, but I tell you, if you know one of my pet peeves, I don't want to have anybody ever hear me. Hear, I don't want to hear you say, boy, Esau really saved my life. Because <laughs> Esau didn't do nothing for you. Only Jesus. We're just an avenue that preaches Jesus. And if Jesus didn't do anything for you, you're still in trouble. Amen? So don't let them say, you know, all of these services you need to be going to. You'll do all this stuff. Now listen, if you follow Jesus, you're going to be with his family. You're going to want to. It's not something you're going to have to make somebody do. He said, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. They're only shadows. They're not even real. They're just, there's my shadow right there. There it is. Try to touch me right there. You can't. It's, it's a picture of what is, and, and we have the ability to have Jesus, and he lives in us, and so we don't need a shadow. We don't need a type. We're in relationship with Jesus and he with us. He will lead us and guide us if we'll believe that his way is better. the shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their, their, their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. Now listen, there's a lot of stuff on the Internet right now 
about angels and about miracles and all those things. And man, we want to see them. You know we, you know we want to see them. We want to see the glory of the Lord, right? Don't we? But we're not going to worship those things. It's Jesus and Jesus alone, and he does all those things. And there are people who are proud and puffed up and are pushing those things versus person Jesus and they've got this message, so I don't care whose name is in front of the message. I don't care if they're your favorite preacher on the radio or on the internet or whatever it might be. You be warned today that it's Jesus and Jesus alone, that there's no other way, there's no other focus other than Jesus. Praise the Lord that he works miracles. He brings healing. That there's angelic beings that are assigned to us to do things. But it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial, worship of angels, saying that they've had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and its ligaments, and he grows as God nourishes it. You've died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. There's only one way. One way. Jesus. He is the way and the truth, and the life. There is no other way. There's no other way from freedom from addiction. There's no other way from freedom from anxiety. There's no step one, two, three, four. You do this, you go that, or here it is. Try this man. Now that one didn't work, try this one. Now that didn't work either. There's one way, and there's Jesus. And there's all kinds of philosophies of men, philosophies of men that they are trying to buy your heart. And Paul is saying there's only one gospel, there's only one way, there's no other God, it's just Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's the gospel. He set you free. He has cut away your sinful nature. Some of you just need to let that sink in. He's cut away your sinful nature. He's cut it away. Well, then why do I keep doing it? Because you keep picking it up. It's dead. Because you're not spending time with Jesus. Because you're not keep, you're not keeping pursuing because you're not rooted and grounded deeply. Because you wake up tomorrow and you think you can do it without him. And you can't because there's only one way, and that's Jesus. He wants to teach you his way with his glory because he lives within you. There's nothing too small for him.
every thought, every action, every deed, you need to filter through him. Did you just hear me? Every thought, every action, every deed, you need to filter through him because he is the only way to knowledge and truth and wisdom. You can't do it without Jesus. And you were saved so that you could represent him well. He lives in you. The world needs you to shine like him. The world doesn't need an old, crippled Christian that looks like the old foreskin spouting off God religious things to people who don't want to hear it to start with. What we need is to be transformed into the image of Christ by the renewing of our minds and by the transforming of our actions. How many would say, yes, Lord, to that? Why don't you bow your heads for just one moment? I want everybody to bow their heads because I want you to be honest with yourself. When you made a commitment to Jesus Christ, did you see transformation? Immediate. If you can answer that question, no, I want you to raise your hand right now. You didn't see immediate transformation. Raise your hand. Are you seeing that transformation now? Put your hand down. Do you feel like that you haven't seen it? How many would say to me this morning, that you haven't pursued God like you should, so you're not seeing the transformation like you should, that you still are living as if you haven't been circumcised from the sinful nature. How many would say that this morning? You haven't, you're still allowing the sinful nature to rule in your life. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, all over the place. How many want to stop that mess? Would you raise your hand? All over the place. So let's pray together. Why don't we stand? Jesus' will for your life is victory. Say that. Jesus' will for my life is victory. Say it again. Jesus' will for my life is victory. He provided it. He provided it. It's done. It's finished. My old sin nature is dead. Cut off by the cross. It has no power over me. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Ah, oh, yes, I like. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Keep going. I like Paul. Strive to walk in the power that you've given me by your spirit because it's Christ in me, my hope of glory. The glory, the glory of looking like Jesus. Let it be in Jesus' name.
Amen. Our prayer team is going to be up front. We want to pray with you. If you need somebody to pray with you, please get them to today. If you need to recommit your life to Christ, you come, you get prayed for. If you need healing, do the same. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.